Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. I encourage you when you find that, stand in our God's honor. So read. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. It's to you, Father. We need you. As we look at this message on prayer, Father, grab a hold of our hearts that we may understand there's nowhere to go but to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, there was this five-year-old little boy. He heard some talk about babies, and he thought, I want a little brother, or I want a little sister. And and so uh, I went to his dad, and he said, I really want a little brother or sister really bad. And his dad, being a smart guy, said to his five-year-old son, tell you what, you pray really hard every day for two months, and I guarantee you that you'll have a little brother or a little sister. Well, this five-year-old little boy says, wow. So he started praying hard. And he started going around the neighborhood. And he started telling everybody, my daddy told me to pray hard. And in two months, I will definitely have a little brother or a little sister. And then he come back to his dad after talking to several of the neighbors. And he said, daddy, something's wrong. Everybody told me that it would take a miracle for a baby to come in two months. He said, I don't understand. He said, son, just pray. Well, two months passed by, and sure enough, there's mom and dad come home with a sweet little bundle, laid on the bed, and it didn't have just a little brother or a little sister, twins. So his dad said, you're really good at praying, son. He said, daddy, I am. Aren't you glad I stopped when I did? <laughs> what 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 could have happened. Um, as we look at our section of Scripture, God calls us to be a people of prayer. He starts out in 3.20 and 21, the end of chapter 3. He says, Now to him who is able. So the first thing that we see here is that we are called to run to him. It talks about in First Thessalonians five seventeen to pray continually or to pray without ceasing. Um, other sections of scripture talks about um, whatever we ask, as long as we ask it in his name, according to his will, we have what we ask in first John five fourteen fifteen. So there's well, prayer's just something you have to do. It's not always easy. And I know, and I've said this before in church, but personally for me, something God's been dealing with me over the last months is sometimes when something happens and I need to pray, but I find myself thinking, who can I call? Who can I talk to about this? Who can, who can I vent to? Or who? And, and you know what, guys? And I'm not saying we need that sometimes. I get it. But God spoke to me one day and he said, well, you know, you could talk to me. 
And the truth of the matter is, there's no better place to go than to God. Think about it. Who, who else can help us? There's only so much that people can do, but there's no limits to what God can do. He, he is able. He's capable. Um, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but the nation of Korea, sadly, lose track of time, but there was a time in the nation of Korea where people were coming to Christianity at twice the rate of the birth rate. There was a revival in Korea, and I mean, it exploded. People were getting saved so fast <coughs> that it was hard for them to even have, like we think of churches. They had these little house churches, and there were so many people. They would just meet in groups of, you know, eight or ten, and, you know... There was one church, they said it was a half of a million people, but it wasn't like we meet church. It's all these little groups that were together and they were praying and they'd come together. And they found out, well, what, what is going on? What is God doing in Korea? And as, you know, as different Christians came and, because, you know, we all want to find out what's the secret, you know, how, how can we grow or how can we get new people in? You know, we all do that, you know, church growth, whatever. Well, they found out that God got a hold of the hearts of people in Korea. And um, at 5 o'clock in the morning, they would get up and pray until they had to go to work for several hours. And it was no wonder God brought revival because he did something in people's hearts where people talked to God. They cried out to him. Um, matter of fact, it was really interesting when my daughter graduated from Bluefield College Dr. Kim, who was one of those preachers from Korea, was the speaker at her graduation at Bluefield College. And he got up there and, wow, I recognize. I mean, I wasn't sure which one, Dr. Kim, but I was like, oh, wow, I've heard some of this stuff. And he was really funny. He had quite a sense of humor. And he had us all laughing and carrying on, but then he got serious. And then he started talking about prayer in Korea. And he said... You have a great heritage in America, but you need to remember from where you came. He said, God's worked in Korea because we've prayed and we've turned to him. And I say this, it's no different for us. If we want God to work, and we do, I mean, I think, and you guys are like me, sitting out sometimes and pray, you know, Lord, what I really want is to see some people's lives changed. I mean, it's great to, you know, let's do the next new thing and get everybody excited for a week or whatever. And I call those pep rallies sometime, and we need some of that. But what you really long for is people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. And he says to pray hard for for. You know, that God may do that kind of work. You see, it's so easy for us to get in a rut. I remember reading somewhere they talked about in Alaska uh, when the snow would get so deep. As you went into this one county, there was a sign and it said, as you went into the county, choose your ruts carefully because you'll be in them for the next hundred miles. And the truth of the matter is, man, it's so easy for us to get in our ruts. So we need to be a people that pray and uh, as you look here, we start out saying we need to pray because we're not able. Notice what it says here. To him who is able, we're not able. 
We're not the ones that have the strength and the power. Look at verses 14 through 20 that precede this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He kneels before God because that's the place to find help. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you guys to know him. So that there'll be a, a power within you that flows through you. So that there'll be that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. That's just naturally part of your life. And that comes from walking with Him. And that, that's rooted through a real prayer life. Not just a, you know, like the little boy who, he said, you know, I'm too sleepy to pray. So he just put on his seal and God bless the whole world. And he just look up at night and say, okay, and close his eyes. No, it's work to pray. And sometimes it's frustrating because God doesn't work on my timetable or yours. And sometimes he doesn't, uh, you know, do what I want him to do, but he does what he needs to do. So, you know, anyway. Okay, secondly, we must recognize reliance on God. Now, to him who is able to do, since he's the one that does the work, may we learn to hear his voice. Learn to be aware of, of what he is up to and the work that he is doing and the word able, it comes from that word dynamis, from which we get that word dynamite. And it's talking about his power to, to be at work in our hearts. And Romans 16.25, it's used. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And the idea here that he's, he's able to do, that, uh, to accomplish and to complete and, and, and to bring forth the work. And what kind of works he do? Well, he does that so that we might grow spiritually. Look at a turn me to First Thessalonians chapter five. These pages are so thin. Okay, here we go. First uh, Thessalonians five, starting at verse twelve. This shows you how God's got to work. Now, I just want you to think about, can we do this stuff? Here's the command, starting at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you and the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Man, we need God to help us do that, or we start bickering and fighting one another. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, and get a job. <laughs> Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Oh, golly, sometimes we're not patient, are we? Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. 
Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And you look at this stuff and you say, God, I've blown something on that list already today. How can I do this? And you know, I'm grateful that that's not the end of the passage because you could stop there and just say, I'm just going to give up. I'm just such a loser. I can't follow God. But look at the end here. This is great stuff. Um, He ends here in verse 23. He says, May God Himself, (laughs) the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Isn't that great? He says, his spirit in you will give you what is needed to do it. It's not up merely to you. (laughs) He will sanctify and he will work. Uh, several of these. For unity in the church, He grows us. He gives us that, um, that, that work. What's He able to do to bring us together to follow Him? In Ephesians two seventeen through 19 it says, And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hey, we're family. For seeing people saved, come into Christ. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then to the Greek. He says, you know, not to be timid and weak, but there is a power in the gospel. And, and, and he, he helps us in our weakness to not be in shame, but to be in power. For wisdom, uh, James 1 verse 5, If any lacks wisdom, Let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. God provides wisdom that we need for direction. Uh, I'll see who. Anybody here quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I'll scare you to death. You know, it was really funny. I went to Daniel's recital and I was telling Penny this. The lady who's his voice teacher. Oh my. That woman is hyper. She was up on stage and she was dancing and everybody that come up there, she's grabbing them and kissing them and hugging them and talking. And I thought, she's scaring those poor teenagers to death. They're going to forget their song before they sing. But anyway, I probably did that to y'all. But anybody quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the... I don't know. Trust in the Lord with all your... Trust with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding... But you read. <laughs> well, you know, probably, and this is my problem. I, you know, that's one of those verses. I've heard it so many times. Sometimes when I quote it, I'll, I'll use about six different translations that kind of come out through. But the point of the matter is, he says, hey, lean on him, not your own understanding. And he's going to direct you. He'll, he'll give you the guidance. All right. Um, listen to this quote from Matt. Uh, the Uh, Third thing, we must know that without God, nothing matters. Hmm. Listen to Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. 
think that's one of the biggest problems with our land. We've taken God out of everything. And there's this constant push to remove God. And you see what the word says. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the sea, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Matthew Henry said, If God be not acknowledged, we have no reason to expect His blessing. And without His blessing, all is nothing. Wow. All right, a second. Not only are we to pray hard, <laughs> we're to pray big for the church. Now to Him who's able to do more than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Three things we believe um, with praying big for the church. First, believe God wants to do great things through us. And he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. How much power is available to us as believers? There's no cap on it. <laughs> There's no limit. Because God is the one who has it all. He can do far more than we can think or imagine. That we're super abundantly more than our minds can conceive. Uh, it's a limitless supply that he has. Second, we should believe God can do great things through us. He does far more abundantly than all that we ask. So we need to ask. We need to pray. We need to cry out to God. We need to dream and we need to seek His heart to see Him work. In Ephesians 1.20, He said, The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us to help us live for God. That same resurrection power is ours. And so, God calls us to believe, to trust. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Third, um, believe God calls you to be used for great things. He says, according to His power, that it is at work within us. His power that's at work within us to energize us, to strengthen us. To work through us. To, uh, he empowers us to work, and yet He works. Listen to This is Philippians 2, 12, and 13 in the contemporary English version. My dear friends, you always obeyed when I was with you. Now that I'm far away, you should obey more. So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. Start living for God, he says. And as you do, as you work with that fear and trembling, and say, I'm a big screw-up, and as you're honest and you come before God, you discover what it really means to be saved. He begins to work in you, and he gives you this, this confidence that's unexplainable as you walk with him, and as you serve him, and as you love him. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. You come to verse 13, and it says, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. So as you step out, he guides your steps. As you walk, He puts your foot where it needs to go. He leads, He guides, He strengthens. That's God. As we trust Him, we have a God who cares for us and a God who guides us. I love uh, to hear about George Mueller. I don't know if you all are familiar with George Mueller or not. 
I have a book somewhere. I probably loaned it and don't have it anymore to somebody. But, man, I used to love to read because he was a guy. Um, he was born, I'll just read from my notes, born in Prussia in 1805. And his father actually um, worked, collected taxes, you know. Those aren't popular people usually. But uh, he had a knack for numbers. And when he came to Christ, he got to reading in the Scriptures, and he became fascinated with how often God said, Ask me. Ask me. Ask me. And so he laid it, God laid it on George's heart and on the heart of his wife to start an orphanage. And so they started praying, and he says, God, he says, I know you want us to work with kids. So he says, Lord, give us a place, Lord. He gets contacted. Hey, we have this, we have this big empty place. and Do you need it for anything? It's <laughs> a, so, yeah, yeah. So he gets in there and then they start praying. He says, well, we need, you know, we need furniture. And we need beds for orphans and all this stuff. People just start bringing in stuff into the house. And he's like, wow. Anyway, this is the funny thing. They pray for all this stuff. And then there's no orphans. They forgot to ask God to bring the orphans. And so they prayed for that. And God, it's just an amazing thing, God uh, work. Um, He says, uh, the first home was dedicated in a, a building on April 21st, 1836. Within a matter of days, 43 orphans were being cared for. Muller and his co-workers decided that they would test or trust God. And uh, here's, here's the seven principles they used. No funds would ever be solicited, so they never asked anybody for any money. No debts were ever to be incurred. Well, they weren't going to go into debt. Third, no money contributed for a specific purpose would ever be used for any other purpose but for the orphanage. All accounts would be audited annually. No ego pandering by the publication of donors' names. Well, they didn't want the whole world to know if you gave anything. Um, no names of prominent people would be sought for the board to advertise the institution. <laughs> The success of the orphanage would be measured not by the numbers served or by the amount of money taken in, but by God's blessing on the work, which Mueller expected to be in direct proportion to the time spent in prayer. When the first building was constructed, Mueller and his friends remained true to their convictions. The public was amazed when a second building was opened six months after the first. They kept praying, and eventually there were five new buildings 110 workers, 2,050 orphans to be cared for. Mueller not only counted on God to provide, he believed God would provide abundantly. For over 60 years, George Mueller recorded every specific prayer request and the results. Mueller was responsible for the care of 9,500 orphans throughout his life. These children never went without a meal. Mueller never asked for help from anyone but God. $7,500,000 came to him over the course of his life. And remember, this was back in the 1800s, early 1800s. And he vows it was all an answer to believing God. I remember in my book, there was one time they didn't have any food. 
And he sat down at the table with the orphans, and they thanked God for the food. And when they finished praying, people started bringing in the food. <laughs> Just amazing, you know. Um, but to pray and trust God. All right, one last one here. Um, he wants us to pray up. Encourages us to pray up. Look at verse 21. Let me get back here to Ephesians. You know, a long time ago, I don't know if y'all even want to know this, but I used to use this. I'd try to remember the epistles. And they, one of them, they'd said, General Electric Power Company for, maybe some of y'all heard that, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Well, one nutty friend of mine said, Girls eat potato chips. And that's the one that kind of stuck with me, I, you know. So the girls, I, they eat potato chips, right? Okay. All right. Um, I better get serious here. All right. Uh, to look up <laughs> vertically, the Westminster Confession asked the question, what's the chief end of man? And the answer is glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And look at verse 21 here. He, he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever." And ever. The center of our hearts, the center of our lives, is to enjoy Him forever. It's to bring glory to God. I know I've told the story so many times, some of y'all are probably hard to hear, tired of hearing it, but it always comes to mind when I think of glorifying God. When I was in college, my freshman year, a week before I went to college, I was playing football and stepped in a hole. And I turned, but my ankle didn't, and so I shattered my ankle. And I was up in a cast that went up out to my leg, a full cast. And I was on these crutches. And Anyway, I was kind of slow. So I was going down the hall. One day, I was going down the hall, and the guy that was the center of the football team, I think was the position, anyway, he was on the football team, big guy. He's like 6'4", 285, 290, huge. He comes up to me, and he says, Todd, tell me about Jesus. I'm serious. And I said, okay. He picks me up and starts shaking me. And I said, well, put me down, and I'll tell you. Well, we got to be close friends, and we'd sit, and we'd go over Bible verses, and he was just so hungry for God, he didn't know anything. But I mean, he'd soak it in, man. I'd, t- I'd share a verse with him, and, and he'd be on top of it. Well, I, you know, I shared with him a couple of little verses, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen and Proverbs eight seventeen. Well, one, I was sitting in my room one night, and, and we called him Fats. Uh, his name was Ernie, but we all called him Fats. But I heard Fats out in the hall. And there was some guy came in there, down the hall, and Fats says, Where are you going? <laughs> he says, I'm going out to the bar. And man, I mean, Fats got up to him, and he says, you don't need to go to the bar. He says, let me tell you. He says, Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. He says, and then Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You're not going to find God out there in that bar. He says, let me tell you something. If you can't get on your knees and ask God to bless it, it ain't worth doing. Boy, I've used that so many times. Isn't that true? If you can't get on your knees and ask God to bless it, it ain't worth doing. Because the chief end is to enjoy Him, to please Him, to bring praise 
to the living God to ascribe that praise to him. Um, and he's to be glorified and lifted up, not only individually in our lives, but through the life of the church. You know, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the music you play in church, right? Please don't say yes. Um, or they will know you are my disciples by the translation of the Bible that you use. Or they'll know you're a disciple. You know, hey, I, you, we know what it says. It says, by the way, you love one another. You see, this world, people want to know that somebody loves them. And they want to know that something matters. Because so many people are so cynical. And it's like, why are we here? What is this all about? There's got to be some kind of purpose. And our job, the Bible says, is to be salt and light. It's to live for Jesus. And it's to love Him. And you can't get away from that. And that comes, you know, it comes to the basics. We're not going to be close with God if we don't pray. If we don't run to Him and learn to talk to Him. That's how we become His ambassadors. Um... In his book, Sit, Walk, and Stand, Watchman Nee tells the story of an island off the South China coast. There were seven people that got saved and went over there to try to try to share the gospel. The island was fairly large, had about 6,000 homes. They didn't know of any Christians over there. Um, the leader of this group was 16 years old. They went over there and they were trying to preach. They finally went into... Um, this one school, and they shared the gospel with the teacher, and he came to Christ. And then he offered them a place to stay. As they began to try to share the gospel, they found out that there was an idol there they called Tawang. And so nobody would listen to the preaching of Jesus Christ because they were uh, fixated on their God, Tawang. And so this young 16-year-old preacher, he starts, nobody's listening to him, but he's preaching, and he says, Jesus Christ is the one true God. And he says, I'll prove it to you. He said, the 16th of this month, it's going to rain. Well, the other guys were like, what are you doing? Well, you know, they got all worked up. It was sunshine, everything else. Well, it comes the 16th. He gets out there. He starts to preaching, blue skies. After about five minutes, feels feels dropped to a rain. Starts pouring the rain. Well, they have to take their idol inside. It's getting soaking wet to long that they worship. And they, they came out and they said, well, we got the date wrong. It, it was really the 24th. So they said, okay, it's going to rain on the 24th. And so they started praying. And they said, God, let it be sunny every day until then so we can keep preaching. But let it rain on 20. Well, the 24th came. It rained cats and dogs. It started pouring rain and they came in. And it opened the door for the gospel. As the gospel was shared and, and, and hearts were changed. All because of a, a nut that said God's going to make it rain on that day. But maybe wasn't a nut, maybe heard from God. As God works, uh, when he does anything great, you can bet it's preceded by prayer. You know, as I've studied revivals because we all want to know i mean we schedule a revival but you don't schedule revival
God does it. But as you study that, as you see it, God knew. Somebody's praying. I actually uh, have a friend, the church I became a Christian in, John Avance his name. Um, we were actually in seminary together for a short time. He went down to a church in Texas. And uh, now I can't think of the name of the church. Well, revival started in that town. And it broke out across the whole town. And John ended up getting invited by the Southern Baptist Convention to speak and all this other stuff. So anyway, I bumped into John one day. And I said, John, all this stuff that's gotten out about revival breaking out through the town. I said, what happened? What, what were you guys doing? What, what happened? He said, Todd, it was crazy. He said, we came to church one day. You know, we went through the regular routine that we do in church. He said, God, it was a front. He said, preached a message, saw nothing different. Came the time of the invitation. People started weeping. People started coming down praying. People didn't just come down, they went across. They hugged. They embraced. And he said, I didn't do anything. God showed up. Man, that's what we need, isn't it? And and so the call for that is prayer. Um, God, this is a prayer offered by Bobby Richardson. Your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, you know my heart, Lord. I, I am not worthy. You know my mess to ask you to, to try to twist your arm to do anything, Lord. It is all by your grace, every good thing that I enjoy. And yet, God, I am starved. I am broken over this going through the motions stuff, Lord. I want to see something else, Lord, that can only be explained by the sheer power of God. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than I can think or imagine according to his power that's at work within. Father, that's, a, that's what I want and, and I don't think I'm alone, Lord. And, and we don't want anything to happen just so we can say, boy, we're some kind of church over here, you know. Kingsway is it. No, that's dumb. Because, Lord, you have to show up. And you certainly don't need us. But oh God, how precious it would be if you would just let us catch a glimpse of your glory. If you would just break loose among us, Lord. Or among our family or others around us that, Lord, we're kind of stubborn. And Father, how sweet it would be if, you know, like you have that steak tenderizer that tenderizes, you know, so, so that the meat becomes tender. Father, uh, we need heart moisturizer, tenderizer to make us soft to you. I just pray about that, Lord. There's not many of us here tonight, but you never were the kind of God that needs many. As a matter of fact, uh, you plus one is a majority. 
really you are a majority. Uh, but Father, we'd like to hang on for the ride. See your glory. So I just pray about that, Lord. We want to have revival on you know, May 4th through the 7th. Have Dale Riddle and his wife Gilda come and bless us with their gifts of ministry. But I want more than what they bring. I want the power of God and the Holy Spirit to work. But Lord, uh, we don't have to wait till May. If you'd like to start working now and do something that confounds us to the point of saying, that's impossible. Praise be to God. We would uh, exalt you and give you a standing ovation of the heart. So God, I've blabbered on and I've told you my heart. We need you, Lord. As we prepare to stand and sing, Father, may we leave with a heart that's in tune with the living God. And Lord, may you be pleased. And Lord, it's not asking too much. Would you please do something that's marked only by you? In Christ's name we pray.